Welcome to the Free to Be More podcast by the Enoch Pratt Free Library. I'm your host, Megan McCorkle. This podcast series features conversations with leaders and innovators having a positive impact in our city. Let's get started. Your journey starts here. They are two 17-year-olds working to make their city better for the next generation. On this episode of the Free to Be More podcast, two members of the Healing Youth Alliance speak out about the trauma youth face and the work they're doing to break that cycle for the future of Baltimore. Sydney Johnson and Gemma Chester, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having us. Yes, thank you for having us. Absolutely. You guys are both part of the Healing Youth Alliance. Sydney, can you tell us what that is for people who aren't familiar with what that is? Yes, definitely. So the Healing Youth Alliance is a group of students that is taught by the Black Healing Youth Alliance. I mean, the Black Mental Health Alliance. We are taught by mentors from the Black Mental Health Alliance. And basically, we're taught on different topics such as mental health, depression, um, eating disorders, just like the whole nine yards about mental health and how it has affected our community and it still affects our community to this day. And um, we are basically trained and taught on the different mental health topics. And then we get to give back to our community and train the community about it as well. Gemma, what has it meant to you to be involved in something like this? Um, I don't know. It definitely means a lot, like a, a, a million different things. I know it means a lot for me personally, learning about um, my history, even though it wasn't like directly, but learning about why I was doing so many of the things I was doing. Mm-hmm. And it was relating to things that happened in the past. And um, it really just hit home for a lot of people in high. I know they can relate. And me, so learning about the things that I was going through now and where it started from was a big thing for me. And it kind of gave me like a like a sense of reassurance and hope knowing that now that I know this, I can now, you know, move on from it and learn from it and grow and not hold it against, you know, myself or the people around me in my community anymore. So it definitely started my process for healing healing for my trauma, forgiving people who were traumatized themselves and I didn't even know. And that was the reason why they were acting a certain way towards me or I was acting a certain way towards other people. So it definitely made me be a lot more empathetic towards everybody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was I already had a certain level of empathy, but it just made me think like deeper into the picture that you never know what could be wrong with somebody or what they went through or what they experienced or how historical trauma could have affected them so mm-hmm. it definitely changed my outlook on people how I treated others how others were treating me and allowed me to have much more empathy and it definitely was like the spark of my community work my youth leadership and advocacy because I was able to take what I learned and present it to other people and help other people change their lives as well so mm-hmm. it was definitely a big stepping stone for me and I think that's the big purpose of high is for us to gain this information realize how impactful it is for us individually and then spread that information so it can impact others. Mm-hmm. You brought it up a little bit, Gemma, about some of the things that you experienced growing up. What were some of those things you experienced that you now are looking back and realizing that it had that kind of traumatic impact on you? Um, Definitely the, the violence in the city, but as well as um, within my household, like generational curses. So mm-hmm. just like certain parenting tactics or certain arguments or things that would be prevalent like within my home that I didn't realize stem from 
historical trauma or even like the neighborhood that I lived in or just saying people grouped in certain demographics. I thought it was normal that, you know, all these people live in this one concentrated area that's low income. It doesn't have the best housing. And then I can drive somewhere that's 20 minutes away and it looks completely different. And I see a whole different demographic of people. So definitely knowing that and knowing the history behind that, certain things changed my outlook. Uh, growing up, it was just uh, just a lot of different things. But like I said, losing family members. Another thing with the generational curses is I lose a lot of like cousins on a specific side of my family. And it's just like they constantly die like every year. There's like one cousin after another, one cousin after another. And it was like a bloodline of just brothers that were dying. And uh, it's my great aunts, it's all her grandsons and she only has one left. So going through something like that was it still is very traumatic and it's drawn me very close to my cousin because it's like he's the only one left. Mm -hmm. So I know that was a big thing that impacted me a lot growing up because it was happening every year as I was getting older. It was like he was losing another one. So Mm -hmm. I know that was a really big thing for me, losing peers and just dealing with the things in the city, being stereotyped as a youth, you know, people constantly calling you aggressive or saying that you may not have any purpose Different things like that definitely affected me growing up. And now that I have the certain knowledge that I have about mental health, I realized that I was traumatized and experiencing mental health issues. And now I'm able to deal with them in more of a healthy way. And I'm able to look at the the approach of healing as a bigger picture and look at it as healing myself, but also healing my community and healing myself so that I won't hurt others and continue that path of generational trauma. Mm-hmm. Sydney, I'd ask you sort of the same questions. What were some of the things as you were going through this training that you realized really impacted you as you were growing up here in Baltimore City? Definitely. Um, similarly to Gemma's, the generational trauma, um, in my family, it's like particularly homicides and murders. Mm-hmm. So um, it's just been like a generational curse of like nonstop murders, like starting from like before I was even born. One of my aunts it was in a domestic uh, violence, um, abusive relationship and was killed on her birthday, only like 26 um, by her boyfriend. That was just like one of the stories that I know from before I was born, but I'm sure there are plenty of them. But um, my grandmother was murdered while my mom was pregnant with me. And it was crazy because she really, really wanted a granddaughter. I'm the first daughter of the family. She knew it was a girl before my mom even knew, but she never got to meet me because she was killed by a hit and running driver. And then right before my grandmother was murdered, her son was murdered, my mom's brother, my uncle. And he was shot. He was about 19. He was shot and killed over something that had nothing to do with him. And then my mom's son, which is my brother, was shot and killed when he was 21 in 2015, another homicide. And it's just like a never ending cycle. And my mom always says, like, I feel like this family is cursed and I can understand why she says that. But um, honestly, like, it's just scary. Like, as you growing up, as my other brother is growing up and my other brother is 21 right now. And when I was like watching him blow his candles for his cake in the same dining room that my brother blew out his cake for his candles on his 21st birthday, it was just like a trigger. It was like a, a moment occurring again. Like, oh, my God, like, please don't let this happen to my family again. What about when I turn 21 or what about when my sister turns 21? Like, I really hope like this cycle doesn't continue. Like, it's just it's honestly sad. 
So as I began to like learn in the Healing Alliance about like grief and like the different mental health issues that comes with dealing with trauma, like I began to understand myself and my family and my community more. And it also helped me like deal with how I approach people, how I, you know, look at things, my perspective and just overall, like about how I carry myself moving forward. Because like when I was dealing with all of this trauma and, and you know, this grief freshly, I just definitely didn't know what I was experiencing. I definitely didn't understand anything about myself or my family around me. And it was just honestly a really, really hard time. So when I got to the Healing Leaf Alliance, we're going to like learn about all the different topics and know that I wasn't alone in the experiences that I was experiencing. It definitely like just helped me with, you know, the way I seen things moving forward. Mm -hmm. You see other teens. You guys are just two teens out of all of Baltimore City and so many others are facing the same kind of trauma that you have faced. How are you sort of spreading that message so that people see that historical trauma, that generational trauma, and they find ways to heal from it. How do you, um, Sydney, how are you sort of talking to your peers about things like that? Well, yes, most definitely. So one of the things that I do strategically, well, first of all, if you're my friend and we already talk about this, like me and Gemma, we talk about this all the time. We have our personal conversations, but I know that's not enough. So um, I also do other community outreach. Like I do, I have a podcast called Talk To Me Tuesdays every week at Tuesday at 7 p.m. Mm-hmm. And also like we train the educators of Baltimore City. Like me and Gemma just had a, um, a presentation not too long ago in the Enoch Pratt Library. And basically we talked to like those specific group of children who were there because like libraries are safe spaces that children often go to after school. And like, while we were talking to them, we realized that they were facing trauma that we didn't need, like they didn't even know they were going to trauma. Like when I was just like, yeah, my mom beat up my dad or my dad beat up my mom. I don't have enough to eat at home. Like they were just talking and it was just so innocent. And me and Jenna were just like, all we could do was like educate them. And um, like also just like educating the teachers, everyone in charge of like the institutions, just training them on what trauma might look like so they deal with students accordingly and appropriately. Because, you know, the first thing that a teacher may do when they see a child fumbling around a class or being a class clown is think that they just got ADHD or that they're just, you know, acting out when really it's a response to the trauma that they're facing. They're not eating at home. They're being emotionally, verbally, physically abused at home or, you know, even sexually, like people don't pay attention to those things and those like reactions to the trauma that children are facing. So like, me and Gemma, like, we are very adamant about teaching, like, the people who are often working closely with kids about, like, how to move forward in these spaces, so. The Free to Be More podcast is a production of the Enoch Pratt Free Library. Now introducing Ticket to Discovery. This May, Baltimore-area kids, fifth grade and younger, can stop by any Pratt library to receive a special Ticket to Discovery bookmark while supplies last. Read five books that spark imagination and receive two free tickets to Port Discovery Children's Museum. More details at prattlibrary.org. Gemma, what are some of those things? Like if there are adults listening to this podcast that maybe are in that position, you know, they could be listening anywhere across the country. What are some of those things that you would tell a teacher or a librarian or, you know, police officer about what to look out for with some of your peers that are facing trauma? That's an easy and a hard question to ask at the same time because everybody is so different and everybody's response to trauma is always completely different. So somebody could lose a loved one and they might be quiet or they might be extra active, like Sid says, or they might be joking around in the classroom. Some people honestly might seem like they're 
immune to it and they might not even have a reaction and they might just go on like normally about their day and their reaction might not be in the public around others. So I would definitely say look out for those those changes in behaviors or those kids. Just just I'm not even gonna say that. I think that a safe space should just be offered in wherever youth are at in those main spaces, whether it's at school, whether it's at home, at the school program, safe spaces should be offered so that youth can feel comfortable enough to come to those spaces when we have issues because it's hard to really identify that they're not showing, you know, blatant changes mm-hmm. within their behavior. So I would just say to assume that almost everybody is going through it because we all see the news, we all see social media, we all see the the Murder Inc. page. It's mm-hmm. like, it's really very unlikely for a child here in Baltimore not to experience some sort of trauma, whether it was directly or indirectly with their, their parent may be experiencing, their sibling may be experiencing. Like, it's very unlikely for a child not to be experiencing it. And trauma can literally come from anything. It doesn't have to be from the violence in the city. They may just come from a low-income situation and that itself can be traumatizing. So they just may not have enough at home. So... There's a really a lot of different things to look out for, but I would just say definitely offering those those safe spaces to youth, having open conversations with your students. If you're a teacher, if you're a police officer, make sure that you're not being so intimidating, but also welcoming. Uh, one thing that I love, which is like my first like real relationship with actual police officers is the police officers at the University of Maryland, Baltimore Police Department. Mm-hmm. And I love them. They're always really welcoming and open. I don't even feel like they're police officers sometimes. Like I'd be like, there's no way, like y'all police officers. But I really love the bond that I had with them and their whole department. We actually just had a tour with them on Saturday where a bunch of youth came and they met them and they toured the department and it was really nice. And everybody didn't even realize like y'all just spent the whole day with a bunch of police officers. So sometimes it's just offering that safe space, smiling, being more kind to youth, like just, just show a little bit more empathy for us knowing that we can go through so much at such a young age. So if somebody is acting up or they're more quiet, don't pressure them. Don't, don't label us. Like you have to just be more empathetic and think about like what we may be going through, even if we don't say it directly or we're not showing the direct signs of it, you know, just, just show more empathy because of where we're coming from and where we're living. We just have to show more empathy and be more careful because you don't know what somebody is going through. So I don't, (laughs) there's a lot of direct signs um, I could give people to look out for, but definitely those changes in behavior is a big one. Or even if you know about it, like as a teacher, I know sometimes the school may be aware if they lose the level and if something traumatic may have just happened in their life. So if you know that, you don't necessarily have to show that student, you know, special attention or anything like that, but just be empathetic with them about certain things. I know that at Poly, we have a great support system. So if they know something happened within your family, the counselor will come see you. They make sure that you, that you get the support that you need and pull you out of class if needed be. So Little things like that can really make a big difference knowing that you have a support system within, especially within school, because that's the that's the place where you spend the most time at. So Mm -hmm. having a support system there is a great base if somebody doesn't have a support system at home. So that's really where it all starts. So teachers not saying harsh words and just being more empathetic towards students, making sure that you are discouraging them in any shape or way or form no matter what the student is doing, that you always provide encouragement or try to steer them in the right direction really makes a big difference in a youth life. 
Mm-hmm. Gemma, what kind of difference can just like one empathetic adult in a position like that make for a teen that is going through something like this? I know me, teachers make a huge impact on my life. I don't forget any of my teachers. Like I remember all of my teachers from head start. And <laughs> I remember everything they always said to me. I remember the ones that were mean. I remember the ones that were nice. I remember the ones that were just like, cool for the whole year they weren't really bad or good it was just like a good teacher so um I definitely think that like we as young people till we get older I guess but we as young people like we remember everybody that we come across the good people and the bad people and you all make an impact on our lives so I know like Miss Joni she's one of the people that's made an impact on my life and I've only known Miss Joni for two years but it's like she didn't even know me and she was making an impact on me just because of the sessions that I was listening to and listening to the things that she said. But definitely as teachers, as community leaders, as people that we see every day as parents, y'all do have a big impact on our lives, even as an influence of what you're doing, that can make a big difference for me. So seeing somebody be a positive community advocate and leader within my community is big because it inspired me to be a community advocate and leader. Seeing that my teachers actually cared about where I was going and they stay connected with me throughout the years. I know I'm still connected with multiple of my middle school teachers and every time I go visit my middle school that my siblings and my niece now go to, every time I come over there, it's just like, I still feel the love. They ask me how I'm doing. They check up on me. And they keep up with my success stories. They support my business. So it's like that keeping those relationships can make a big difference because they're also a support system I know I can lay back on. And I know everybody knows the saying, like, it takes a village to raise a child. So not mm-hmm. only does the support and love come from a home, but it also comes from those people that you meet without your life growing up. So that's those teachers, those community people, all of those people take a really big toll on how you grow up. And y'all do make an impact on, you know, how we grow up. There's something that you say really could trigger somebody to be something different within their life. And it could be either good or bad. So definitely watch the things that you say to us or the things that you do around us because we see that growing up and it can take a big impact on us. So I know those positive words that teachers gave me provided me with the same motivation and discipline that I need now growing up. So thinking about it, being a community youth advocate leader, I'm thinking about those words. My teacher told me that I can do anything no matter what. And that I was smart and, and all of those things that, that keep me going now. And I also think about the times where I may have had a teacher who told me that I couldn't do that because I was from a certain place or I had experienced certain things and that I wouldn't be able to be in a position with or be in a room with people that weren't like me. So those different things can even motivate somebody or break them. So just be careful what you think. And I just think it goes back to the empathy thing. I'm just really big on empathy. <laughs> but I definitely think it just goes back to, to empathy, just being more empathetic and realizing that you all do have an impact in a youth life, no matter if you say them every day or not. Like, you never realize how big your impact can be on somebody. Need to get that garden started? Learn how to play guitar? Or how to snap photos just right? The Pratt Library can help with you, Demi an online collection of free on-demand courses taught by world-class instructors. All you need is a Pratt Library card. Log on to prattlibrary.org today and get an e-card and start meeting your goals. 
Sydney, you guys have been doing all these trainings for, you know, large rooms of adults, right? So you've done the library staff, which was like 500 people. You've talked to teachers, you've talked to police officers. That first time you went into one of those trainings to train adults on the trauma, the teen space, what was that experience like? Was it, was it daunting? Um, actually like, no, it wasn't, um, nervous. I mean, it was a daunting. The first time I did one was, I guess, for our national presentation. So when we first um, get into the Healing Youth Alliance, after our um, training sessions, um, like after we're completely done, like training and learning from the Black Mental Health Alliance, we have a national conference. Mm-hmm. And like a lot of the people from the national conference were older people. I was actually excited. I was very excited to like share with them what I had learned. And then just knowing that you're young, it just like makes them look at you completely different. Like you're 16 and 15 talking about this stuff. Like, wow. It was like a really a lot of support. It wasn't a lot of negativity or anything like that. Many of them were like really, really engaged and like just excited to learn about what it is that we were talking about. And they were very accepting and like had like a lot of questions and really wanted to know more of me as a person as well. Like, they're like, where did you come from? And how did I get in contact with you for future, you know, events like this? I would love to hear more from you. You, you talk so well. You know what you're talking about. Like, I, I really appreciate stuff like that, especially coming from, like, older people, because it's just, like, a lot of older people don't care. You know, like Jim said, like, a lot of teachers, you can tell whether or not they care or not. The nice ones, the mean ones. You can all tell by the way they engage and interact with you. So like just presenting about conversations and topics as important as these and to have them like want to hear more from you is like a really huge step forward. Mm-hmm. Sydney, why do you feel like it's so important that teenagers and youth be involved in a movement like the Healing City Act? Why is it so important that someone your age is so involved in this and out there and talking about it? Well, one of those things that we say, like, in Heart Smiles and, like, just as youth here, like, the youth advocators here in Baltimore, like, how are you going to make decisions for the youth without the youth? Like, it doesn't make sense. So if we're going to be, if y'all going to be at meetings talking about how can we better make our environments for the youth, it just be like teachers, all teachers. How are you going to make decisions about that without a youth there giving feedback or saying what it is that they would like to see? So um, this work that we do in the community and these conversations and the information that we share is just really to put our input as youth in there for the decisions that will affect us and that will affect, you know, the generations after us possibly. So we are just here to really like tell them what the youth wants. Adults can't decide what's best for the youth if the youth don't know nothing about it, because that's what got us here in the first place. Adults thinking that this is what's best. This is how we're going to carry them. This is what's going to like, it can't work that way no more. The youth got to be present in every conversation that has the youth in it. Mm-hmm. Gemma, have you seen an impact from that fact that now people your age have had a seat at the table, have started talking about what the youth want? Have you seen some of the things that you suggested now being put into practice here in the city? Yes. So I know definitely uh, just like going off of like the, the Healing City thing, uh, when we were helping with the Healing City Summit and planning it, I think that was a really big thing that like, I seen come to life knowing that I wasn't like planning it like myself because usually the work that we do with Heart Smiles, like with me and Sydney, usually like Miss Miss Jolly, like, hey, y'all on this project, so y'all do it. So we planning, we had full control, and it's not that we didn't have full control of the the Healing City thing, but just you know going going to the meetings and 
Sam is Iris, Sam is Anne, seeing them take notes on what we were saying and them being so engaged. And they was like, well, can you like elaborate more on that and, and tell us more about that? I think that was like really one of my first experiences with telling somebody like what I wanted to see out of an event and then bring it to life. So mm-hmm. going to the resource fair and seeing the 360 camera, seeing everything that we talked about be set up, coming to the youth summit, seeing all the speakers that we wanted there really be there. So just seeing that plan that was on that Google doc, like really just come to life. And it was all from our input. That was definitely one of the big things I seen that my opinion was valued and it was taken into consideration. Um, I wish I could see more of that with like city schools and stuff like that. But I know that's a, a even longer process. But um, like I mentioned before, like with some projects that me and Sydney are on with Heart Smiles, definitely seeing the work that we put in as youth and then formulating an event and it really happened and then on and it was from our work. Definitely is just like it's just like a proud, like wow moment. It's like wow. I'm 17, 16, 15, and I'm really like doing this work and it's coming to life and people are saying it. Um, also with a higher planning the whole <laughs> uh, inauguration, graduation, national conference thing, it's a lot. Like getting up to that point, knowing that we taking everything that we're learning and putting it into one PowerPoint and we're able to present it to people and we're able to be vulnerable and share our stories, but also teach others about their stories as well always just like shows like I'll work off again so I definitely think just seeing the events like come out that either we host or other people host in the X-File opinions seeing that the the youth advisory board here um it's called the Yeah, but the youth advisory board for John Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health um mm-hmm. seeing some of the research projects that we give feedback on come back and tell us like hey this was successful. Your feedback made a difference. Knowing that we're a voice for youth in Baltimore City and that we're an accurate voice is also just reassuring knowing that we can make a change in a lot of different things by just sharing our opinion on how things have happened even in the past or how they're happening now. So this is kind of a very bigger level question, um, and I'm going to ask both of you to answer You both talked about how violence and trauma is cyclical and it's a cycle that's really hard to break. So what do you think in the work that you're doing and the work that the Healing City Act is doing will break that cycle? Um, What are some of the things that you think could break that cycle of violence in Baltimore City? And I will ask Sydney first. The top two things that come to mind when you ask that is number one, unity. Mm-hmm. These events like Healing City Summit and the conferences that and Gemma does, what it does is bring people together for one purpose, for a greater good, which is to learn or to be engaged in a certain activity. And like just that right there is very powerful because if you know, like in Baltimore, it can be very separated and divided, you know, East versus West, Poly versus City, like everything is just so separated in its own way. But like for events like those, it just brings everyone together regardless of their location, regardless of their schools, their age, like it just brings everyone together. So unity is definitely one of the things that can begin to break that cycle. Also, just like the education portion of it, because like a lot of the things about these cycles is that like people are very uneducated, like people are not understanding like that we're all traumatized and that we're all in this together. Like one of the things that we practice and we talk about with our like healing approach to trauma is healing centered engagement. Like we've all experienced some form of trauma. Like we as a community need to come together. I am because we are, that's the famous saying for African um, 
what's it called? Jamaican African. What's the word? Ubuntu. Yeah, it's Ubuntu. It's an African proverb, basically saying that I am because we are, meaning like I am because my community are like whatever my community is is who I am, regardless of how different we may be, our different vocations, our different names. We all have one experience and that is trauma unfortunately but we can all heal from it together as well that's why it's called healing centered engagement it's a healing centered engagement approach we all need to come together so the unity portion and the education portion and just like everyone learning about like what it is that make them the way they are can definitely better like just help with this this whole like negative trauma cycle Because if everyone's learning, like, oh, wow, so I'm traumatized. Like, I'm not just crazy. You know, oh, wow, like, this is what happened. Passed down. It's been passed down to me. I'm not just crazy. This happened to my mom. This is why she's like this towards me. She's not crazy. You know, so I think everyone's approach to the world and, like, everyone around them would be just so much differently if we were all educated. Gemma, I'll ask you the same question. What do you feel like could break the cycle of violence and trauma in Baltimore? Cindy just took all my answers, but I would definitely <laughs> say um, healing sense and engagement a thousand percent. Uh, as a community, as a like as a city, all together, we have to start our healing process collectively, also individually, but collectively, it allows everybody to adjust and lean on one another. If you may not be able to start your healing process individually, so. Mm-hmm. It allows you to have that support system and to look for help from other people who have experienced the same things that you've experienced, either directly or indirectly. So it's definitely that support system for the whole community. I also think having more things like Heart Smiles, um, having more youth organizations that tend to youth experiences and build us up as leaders. And we don't necessarily, everybody doesn't have to necessarily be a community advocate or leader or do what me and Sydney do. Everybody's not at that position where they want to be as vulnerable. And that's okay. Everybody doesn't have to do like, they don't have to be outspoken. You can still help your community in different ways while being true to yourself. So mm-hmm. you don't have to come on here and do this podcast. You don't have to <laughs> speak in front of large groups of people and 500 and, and do trainings. But you are like as a community member, somebody living here, knowing that even if you want a little bit better for your city and you know that what we're experiencing with all this violence and trauma is not good, then starting your healing process and making sure that you're treating people better and that you're not contributing to Mm -hmm. causing more rare-kind trauma is a big thing. So don't become a part of the problem. I know it can be hard because some of the environments that we live in, you know, it's just kind of really hard to escape it. But try your best to not fall victim to becoming a part of the problem and doing your best to provide better for your community in the ways that you can, even if it's not being outspoken or whatever it is, or if it's just picking up trash or if it's just starting like within your own home or if you want to educate, you know, your mother, you learn something about generational trauma from the Haley Youth Alliance and you want to come home, have like a little family meeting, tell your family about what you learned and what you see that your family does and how y'all can change that to better accommodate everybody in the household so that you're not contributing to that rare kind of trauma. So little things like that can really make a big difference in this city and how we see each other if we just all took a part in the healing process of the whole community. So in taking a part of that healing process of the whole community, you're also taking a part of your own healing process. And together, we can attack the bigger things that are causing recurring trauma, the systems, the policies, the other things. But we do have to start here at the heart of the issue where we are experiencing everything now. And then 
build our way up together to address the things that are, you know, constantly causing more rare kind trauma on a more systemic level. <laughs> but I definitely agree, just echoing everything that Sid said. It's just a community effort. Even more events like Healing City and those more organizations that tend to the youth, especially because it starts with us. Like we're the next generation. We're the next people coming up that has to deal with the problems that you all are dealing with now. So to make our jobs easier, use adults listening to us, but also making sure that you're providing, you know, accurate support for us. And then us listening to people that's younger than us and also listening to y'all so that we can learn and, and take y'all position soon and be able to do even better and do even more. So that's, that, that's both of you have accomplished so much at such a young age. And so I feel like to sort of wrap up the podcast, I feel like everyone will just want to know what is next. So Sydney, what are your dreams, your goals, your aspirations? What do you want to accomplish in this life? I mean, you've accomplished so much already. Yes, definitely. I want to continue my advocacy journey. Like I I never want to stop. Like I don't want to stop you know, even when I get older, like I know right now we're youth advocates because we're in Heart Smiles and, you know, we're in Healing Youth Alliance. But when we get older and older and, you know, they say, well, you can't technically be a youth advocate no more. Like, OK, well, then I'm going to become on the board. Like I'm going to become a, a trainer now. Like I, I never want to stop being involved in this work regardless of anything. And I also want to like start experimenting with like other forms of advocacy now. Like now that things are opening back up and we're able to go back in person, like I'm definitely very excited and kind of nervous to actually like, be talking in front of people. Mm-hmm. Um, it's definitely coming back. So um, I'm just waiting for the opportunities to start rolling in. And yeah, I'm just going to definitely continue speaking up for my community and just being a voice for people who haven't found theirs yet. And also, like, um, I'm an entrepreneur, so um, I definitely want to just continue pursuing my entrepreneurship journey. When somebody asks me what I want to be when I grow up, I say financially free. I don't want to put myself in one category for one job. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm in the process of, like, creating a business called Upcycle, where I'm using, like, different materials to, like, create fashion pieces, like tote bags and, like, wow. other items in the future. Yep. That's and awesome. me and Jim also own a business called The Service Sisters, where we offer um, a variety of household services like paying accent wall i mean accent wall paying organizing um and um decor services so like we, we plan on definitely expanding that maybe making it a non-profit so we just in a whole bunch of everything so this this definitely is just staying active regardless mm-hmm. and Gemma, what are your goals going forward uh it's a lot but uh one of the main things just same similar to what sydney said but just definitely continuing my work as a community leader and advocate continuing to do this work. Um, I don't know if I'm going to college here or not, but wherever I go, I know that I do want to come back here. Um, I had my own business as well, Swims Art Creations, as I'm an artist, and I want to open up a building here in Baltimore City and offer like multiple studio spaces for all types of artists, whether you're a music artist, you're a visual artist, you like taking photos like whatever it is I want to have like a building where it's different studios for youth to either come and learn certain things on different days from different artists that are from the city or they can use some of the spaces as their studio space I want you know you to be able to store their things there because I know how hard it is for me living in my room and having like a studio slash bedroom and it's like canvases everywhere and paint supplies everywhere but I also have notebooks from school and all that other stuff so I know that I would love to provide a space that you can come and use 
where they feel comfortable at and they can express their artistic needs, whatever they feel like maybe being a building. And I can also host my stuff. <laughs> so that's kind of the big dream for my business is to have a building where um, youth can come and use it to their will. And it's just like a safe space, having events there and, and all that type of good stuff. So just like a like a home for everything, basically. <laughs> so that, that's the big dream for, for the business, just influencing other artists and entrepreneurs, still doing more community work in any way that I can, no matter how old I get. I really love doing this community work. So I'm hoping to do it forever and encourage others to also do it because it makes a big difference. And I know that I won't be able to fix everything within my work, but I know that if I do my best now and I teach somebody else that they can hopefully get to that point where they fix majority of it. <laughs> well, Sydney Johnson, Gemma Chester, I cannot wait to see what both of you do next. This conversation has been really inspirational to me and I'm sure it's going to be inspirational to a lot of people. So thank you both for your time today. Thanks for being with us. No problem. Thank, thank you for having me. Open the doors of the world to your child with National Geographic Kids, a free online resource available with your Pratt Library card. Learn about animals and nature with interactive videos, games, and brain boosters designed for children. Details at prattlibrary.org. I'm Megan McCorkle, and you've been listening to the Free to Be More podcast by the Enoch Pratt Free Library. You can follow the Pratt on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next month for another Free to Be More conversation. Thanks for listening.